Welcome, everybody. This is the U.S. Grace Force Podcast. I'm Doug Barry, along with my very good friend, Father Richard Heilman, with his Morlino number seven Packer jersey <laughs> hanging behind him there. And tonight we've got a very special guest. Father Frank Pavone is with us. And obviously, if you're watching this podcast, you probably have a good idea of what's been going on as of late regarding Father Pavone. And he was so kind to be able to jump on board with us so quickly and and then really just lay down the groundwork and the details of what's happening. But before we get into that, let's uh, start with a prayer we always do, and we always turn that over to Father Heilman. Sure. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Hosts, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Thank you very much, Father. And thank all of you out there again, as I always like to start the every episode off with thanking you all for the support that you give the U.S. Grace Force podcast, your prayers, your consideration, your thoughtfulness, and your financial support. If you're interested in helping to continue to support us in getting this message out financially, you can do it through the Patreon program we have. Just click the link in the description below. And that's a tremendous way to help us continue to get messages like this out, especially in these critical times. There's so much happening in the world, in our church, in our governments, all over the place. And tonight's show is a perfect example of that. So click that Patreon link if you're interested, and that will help us out in an a powerful way. So thank you all so much for that. God bless you all. All right, we're going to jump right into this, not waste any more time. Father Frank, so good to have you back on. Uh, I know the audience is wondering, there's a lot of rumors floating around, there's stuff out there posted on social media, and there's a lot of posts out there that I'm seeing, at least on Facebook, of we stand with Father Frank, we stand with you, and, and which is just is great, and you know that. And you and I have been, been friends a long time, goes back to even when you'd pop on Life on the Rock on EWTN, and, and uh, you know, the West Coast Walk for Life, I, we would cover that out there, and I would see you out there, and I know you were on both coasts. But you've been in this for a long time. People know you as as really the, the pro-life priest. I mean, you're you're you've been at this and, and a real champion. Um, okay, break it down simply. You've been you've been hit hard on this. Tell the audience what's going on, what happened, and where it stands with you right now. Yeah, you know, this is the result of a 21-year battle. A, a lot of people are just reading this now, oh, the Vatican dismissed Father Frank from the priesthood. Why would they do that? Well, the why they would do that has been going on for two decades. And it's uh, the whole history of this, by the way, let me just say at the outset, we have nothing to hide. We are an open book. And I have put the documentation, the original letters, the explanations, and I will be putting more on the website, fatherfrankpavone.com. Now, that's my personal uh, page. It's different from my ministry, which is endabortion.us. We'll talk about Priest for Life uh, 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 also. But the story uh, that has culminated in this um, outrageous action uh, is out there for everyone to see. And it begins with, it, it's a story of some, and I emphasize some, within the hierarchy that oppose our work. Now, what work? Well, the two of you know it well. Much of our audience knows it well. We equip priests to preach clearly and compassionately on abortion from the scriptures. We tell them how to counsel those who have had abortions. We run the world's largest ministry for healing after abortion. We work with the Vatican's uh, office of the Secretariat of State to, on international pro-life battles. 
And we help the Holy See mission at the United Nations. Priests for Life helps them do their work in many ways. So we're working in the heart of the church. Mother Teresa endorsed our ministry and my, my leadership of it. And on and on the litany goes of strong support. In fact, I've even had several conversations with Pope Francis over the years uh, where he directly encouraged me in this work. And uh, the same, of course, with John Paul, with uh, Benedict. And also I worked at the Vatican for a while as an official under John Paul II. So we're not, you know, kind of people who are sort of, you know, uh, at arm's distance from the very core of the church's life and ministry. But so I emphasize some within the hierarchy um, have, for whatever reasons that they would have to explain, vehemently opposed to our work of Priest for Life and my leadership of it. So I was telling the Father Heilman before we got on the air, you know, they, 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 they've kind of done this in three phases. First, they tried to take me away from Priest for Life. After I had led it for about eight years under Cardinal Egan in New York, they said, oh, you know, you should go back to a parish, go do parish work. Well, there was an uproar. There was an uproar because people said, well, wait a minute, we need priests in the pro-life battle. Why can't a priest devote his full-time ministry to defending the unborn? We have priests devoting full-time ministry to helping the poor, um, educating children, ministering to the sick. Why not to the unborn? Um, so long story short, they allowed me to continue. Okay, so I continued leading priests for life. The second iteration was, well, if we can't take Father Frank out of Priest for Life, maybe we can take Father Priest for Life away from him. So they started to try to discredit the organization. And uh, one of the key culprits of this is everyone is asking in this, oh, who's what bishop are you under? What bishop are you under? That's been public for decades. It's, it's Bishop Zurich of Amarillo, Texas, right? So he's publicly called into question the finances of Priest for Life. That's a favorite tactic of the left. Well, we quashed that too because we sent them clean audits. We have independent audits every year as every as every ministry do. And even the Vatican looked at our finances and they gave us a green light. They said, hey, finances are in good order. We have that report posted, by the way, as part of this whole story. So they didn't succeed in discrediting the ministry. So now phase three, and they've been working on this for years, I could tell you. I don't want to go too far afield, by the way. Just stop me when, when, when. But the third iteration of this is, well, if we can't take Father Frank away from Priest for Life and we can't take Priest for Life away from Father Frank, maybe we need to take the father away from Frank. Mm. Hmm. That's the dismissal from the priesthood. Now, my canon lawyers have warned me about this for years. They said, you know what, they? this is the phrase that they give, and this is a sad thing for a priest to hear. But my canon, and I have some really great experts both here in the States and in Rome that have been working on my cases over the years. And the Vatican, by the way, has ruled in, in my favor a, a number of times over these years. They said, Father Frank, what they can't control, they kill. What they can't control, they kill. This is a matter of who's going to control the soul of the Catholic pro-life movement. Whose messaging? Are the Catholic people going to follow? Is it going to be that of the bishops or is it going to be Father Frank? And 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 uh, it, over the years, there's been, I think, a growing frustration. No, a growing frustration on the part of many bishops when people, for example, will come to them, you know, waving some 
brochure that I published or quoting some talk that I gave. And they'll say, hey, but wait a minute, Father Frank says we should be doing this. And Father Frank said we should be doing that. And we should be handing out this flyer at the elections and we should be saying that. And I think, you know, they've just gotten frustrated at the, the influence that we've had. <laughs> so they're trying to quash that influence. Well, I got news for them. It's not going to work. Because the people are not supporting our work because the bishops are telling them to. They're not supporting our work because the Pope is telling them to. They're supporting our work because the work is good. It's saving lives. It's healing hearts. It's electing pro-life candidates. It helped get Roe v. Wade overturned. Um, and by the way, all those who objected to my support of President Trump, uh, you owe him an apology. In fact, you him credit for giving us the reversal of Roe v. Wade, and on and on it goes. But I think, in a nutshell, Father and and Doug, I think that's what's that's what's happening. That's what we see unfolding before us. Yeah, I just Father. real quick, Father Hammond, free jump in. I got to say, I have heard so many stories, and you could probably write a book on this, Father, Brother Frank, about people who've gone up to their pastor after a homily on some subject, some title, and said, "But wait a minute, so and so said, Scott Hahn said this," or. Or, or Steve Ray said this, or in your case, Father Frank said this, whatever the topic is. And, and I've heard the people tell me how the pastor's response has been, oh my goodness, I'm, I just don't want to hear it. I just, And you're right, that's, th that's got to dig. And I think in one sense, Father Heilman, for example, is, and I'm not trying to flatter him, he's, he's one of my best friends on the planet, but he's been outspoken, he's been clear, he's very careful, he's good at how he presents the messages and the faith, you know, as are you. And I've known you again for many years, but I also know that there are a lot of priests out there who struggle with that degree of courage that both of you two have. And I think when Pat, when, when parishioners come up to pastors and other priests simply and say, Hey, you know what? You know, they're, they're basically telling their, their priests, we want you to be bold like this too. Yeah. I think that's really hard. And I would just say to, to both of you, is, is, is there a struggle with, with, I mean, priests, I'm sure never get jealous, never feel intimidated, <laughs> never feel threatened. Is that the case? Would you both say, or I'm being a bit facetious here. Or, or is that something that you think some of these priests are dealing with? Father, you want to? Uh, yeah. No, you go ahead, thoughts? Father. You go ahead first. Okay. Well, yes, that, that is very much a dynamic. And when people scratch their heads and say to me, uh, yo, gee, why are some of the bishops doing this to you? Um, you know, I say, well, <laughs> I don't know. You got to ask them. But, but, but many people have jumped in with what you just said and, and said, you know, there's, there's envy going on petty petty jealousies and pride and yeah that that's we're subject to that for sure yeah, yeah having your thoughts on that well i you know i would just say i i don't know i i just keep that thinking that we've crossed over a line we've come into a new era and uh and it, it's it's just different nowadays I, I was gonna i was gonna ask you about that father um well first of all i want to say Thank you so much for, for coming on the Grace Force. Mm -hmm. um, I've admired and loved you for many, many years. I haven't had the contact that Doug has with you. Um, but uh, you, you stand out in front of all of us priests. You're priests for life. And, and you're basically telling the faithful, yes, 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 the priests uh, are very much uh, in favor of, you know, uh, ending this, this, uh, this, uh, calamity of of abortion in, during our time and and so i i can't thank you enough for all that you've done over all these years uh in, in your ministry and the resources have been just tr treasures 
uh, for all these years. And so I, I know I speak for the vast majority of priests, and I know I'm speaking for the the faithful who who just dearly love you. So thank you, thank you, thank you for everything that you've done. Um, it was a gut punch. I got about an hour after that uh, Catholic news agent uh, agency came out with that article. Um, a priest sent it to me, and I, it, it's amazing. I, every, everybody's the same re response. And if it's a text, it's capital letters, W-H-A-T, yeah. you know, question mark, question mark, question. I mean, you, you just really, uh, and, and, uh, and then come to find out too, Father, that you found out through the article. Uh, well, that's the other thing. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Catholic News Agency. You know, they, they, they emailed me. Now, of course, we knew what was going on behind the scenes. We knew that things were 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 bubbling up over there in Rome, et cetera. And we know who the who the players are. But as far as any formal notification of me of what the heck is going on, Catholic News Agency sends me this email, and then they start asking me questions about it. So I emailed them back, and I said, "Well, wait one second. First, I have a question for you. How is it that you found out about this before I did?" Mm. And, and, and this is not, by the way, this is not the first time this has happened. There have been other instances along this long 20-year story where not just the Catholic media, but Catholic news agency has talked to me about something that the Congregation for Clergy did before any other notification was sent. So I think that's a side question that deserves to be answered and they haven't answered it for me yet how did you come to know about this before i did um and and i think people are dismayed by that too just about every interview that i've had today and i've had back-to-back -back interviews since 6 30 this morning and it's going to go till 11 o'clock tonight uh have have said that they said well what, what the heck is going on here how is it that um we've and here's the overall theme and, and i want to stress this a little bit the good Catholic people who are sacrificing every day to be loyal to the faith expect their priests to be treated a little bit better than this. Yes, yes. Even if there were, which there is not in this case, even if there were justification for canonical punishments, penalties, right. restrictions, mm -hmm. or whatever, don't you have to, in the body of Christ, treat each other with some measure? Right. Of respect. Yes, yes. Respect involves the ears listening to one another, and respect involves the lips, some word of affirmation. Even in the nuncio's letter that he sent to the, the bishops and the announcement that he encouraged them to make to the faithful about me, all he says is, Oh, he's well, uh, what is the what does he say? Well known within the pro-life movement and so forth. Can't you work in there a little phrase, a prepositional phrase, expressing maybe a little bit of gratitude for 30 years of right. ministry on behalf right. of the church for the most important moral issue of our day? No, not a you notice there's not a not a not a whisper of that. And I point this out, and this is I'm not I don't want to seem to be self-serving here. But I, but I point this out because the Catholic faithful need to understand that there is something going on right now in the way that, 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 that priests are being treated, especially those on our side of the fence, okay, the more right. conservative, 
okay, pro-life priests were being treated in a, in a horrible way. And uh, these processes that the church has, you know, to come to these kinds of, of conclusions are being just, it's just like we see in politics right now. Processes in government, processes set up by our constitution and by law are being weaponized against political opponents. Well, the same thing is happening in the church. And I can tell you stories of how these processes that, that I've been through to defend myself and to defend my work um, have been marked by lying, manipulation, um, weaponizing to the extent that one would, it's, it's as bad as it is in, in, in government. And in fact, it's you know why it's worse than it is in the government circles? Because these processes are not informed and shaped and uh, given boundaries by what we know in American political life as the principles of due process and uh, self-defense, adequate representation, and so forth. It's not that way in these church uh, processes. They're much more hierarchical. So, um, yeah, so that's some of what's going on. Uh, Father, you're, you're hitting on the reason why I put this uh, jersey behind me. Uh, and I want to speak to that real quick, but you know, th that's my former bishop. He passed away in 2018. God rest his soul. Um, bishop Robert Morlino. Uh, now, this isn't a poke at my current bishop, but I'm just, I, I put that up to just point to an era, an era that I miss, okay? Because Bishop Morlino, and if I ever got attacked, if, you know, and people complained or whatever, uh, he'd bring me in his office. And of course, it's a priest going to see a bishop. So I'm like, yikes. Uh, but I always said after every time we met, I wish I had a tape recorder because I would play it over and over and over again because we were a fraternity. He was my dad, you know, right. and, and he treated me, you wouldn't believe it. And of course you have to know too, that we're in a very liberal area here. And he, he was in the paper. I'll exaggerate a little bit, but not much like every other day, you know, he was a threat because he was so clear with the truth and he and he he harped on us priests truth with love but the truth mm. we have to be clear with the truth and and um the the staff knew how close we had gotten over the years because i was like sir yes sir and i've been doing it because he was such a great model of that i think pope benedict was too i think cardinal burke was too uh i was following those models and i was getting hammered by the left um, it, but they came and, uh, and, and we had each other's back. Um, we've slipped into another era and I don't know, I'd like you to get your opinion on this father, but, and, um, you know, I, I, I don't know if the pontificate emboldened, uh, those who I think might've been marginalized for a while. Uh, but we moved from the fatherly to the tyranny and, and uh, yeah. And it's it just the the way we're being treated now. It's it's an absolute tyranny. It's like an abusive father, right? Yeah. Um, versus that tender father, as you describe, you know that would that would talk it through with you and and reason and we'd talk, you know. And yeah. I love you and and make sure the tenderness was always there. Nope, you'll sit down, you'll shut up, you you'll, you'll do it, my. You know, yeah. or you'll get a whooping or, you know, I, I got a disciplinary action. You got lost your priesthood or hopefully not. But, you know, it just, um, 
I don't know. What, what do you think about what I'm saying there, Father? You know, I, I, Russell Shaw, who used to be the communications director for the USCCB, wrote a book a few years ago that I want to recommend to everyone. It's called Nothing to Hide. And he talks about, the subtitle is about uh, communion, uh, communication, and secrecy within the Catholic Church. In that book, it's, and it's not very long, Russell Shaw hits the nail on the head, and he, he addresses the point that you're addressing now, that our, our communication in the church is marked by, of course, a respect for authority. We believe in the way that Jesus set up the church uh, and the role of authority. Um, but it's also marked by communio. It's also marked by the baptismal reality that in Christ, we are all equals, so you don't just impose orders. You know, you want to lead somebody to obedience. Obedience should be the fruit of encouragement. Right. Encouragement should be the fruit of accompaniment. Pope Francis right. is using the right words. But what's happening to us in practice is very much the opposite. Accompany. The, the, the bishops who have supported our work and continue to support it, they take the time to read our materials visit our office, get to know what we do. Uh, those who don't support us have never done any of those things. I have given repeated invitations uh, to every bishop who has, you know, been, been iffy about us or opposed to our work. Come and see, come and see. Pope Francis actually had a great communication uh, a few years back on the World Day of Communications. And he said, you know, sometimes we've got ideas in our head about somebody else or some other group or ministry, but those ideas get challenged and changed when we decide to spend time with them, to listen, to accompany, to be in the presence of. And that's all we've ever asked of the three people in the church that get to, let's, we're, we're a communio, are we not? We're brothers and sisters, we're on the same page. Let's get to know each other. And that's my plea even to this day. There's so many people who think that they can, whether it's the work you both do or the work I do or any number of other ministries, they think they can spout off their opinions about what we do and how we do it and why we do it. And they think they can read our minds and our motives. And how about just, how about we try just talking to one another? Right, right. And, and I say this even to those in authority, because the fact that you're in authority doesn't exempt you from that. That the that obligation it doesn't. Yeah, you know, Father, I, a couple of things that I, I know the audience is wondering, and, and you know, we we would like to hear you say too is, has anybody in authority since this has happened given you any clear definition or examples of what the two key things they say you're you're being laicized for, the um, blasphemous communication and social media. What did they mean by that? Number two, um, you know, constant disobedience of lawful requests or direction, whatever you from your bishop. Have they defined this? Has anybody reached out to you? Has anybody clarified this with you? I mean, you've heard uh, CNA got a hold of you. I mean, has anybody in authority gotten a hold of you and explained in detail any of this? No. Well, let me, let me, let me. It, it, no, not since this happened. I don't have any. I, I don't. That letter wasn't sent to me. Not, nothing was sent to me. Um, the uh history of this however makes it clear to me what what it is that that they're they're worried about and these things that they mentioned are just excuses uh and i'm saying this out of knowledge of what i've lived what i've lived through the past uh, 21 years when they say constant disobedience we're talking about a bishop who has abused his authority against me 
And the Vatican has even recognized that because the Vatican, I've had, I've had a to the Vatican against this bishop numerous times. And they have protected me and they have protected my work against his vague, I, I remember I told you before, the vague accusations in the past of, of, of the, uh, oh, we have questions about the finances. Mm -hmm. oh, what questions? Specifically, what questions? Never, ever, ever, ever was told. Because there were, it was just an excuse to try to restrict my ministry. So then it turned to, uh, oh, well, you're, too, you're po too politically involved. So I said, okay, give me specifics. There was only one specific that was conveyed, which was when I was part of President Trump's campaign as uh, a member of the board of the Catholic Advisory Group and the Pro-Life Advisory Group, and I was on that for both campaigns, they said, well, a priest shouldn't really have that position and title. So I said, okay, I was obedient. And the campaign was fine with it. They're fine. They're respectful of the Catholic Church. So I got off the committees. Now, the Vatican was very, very happy when I did that. Now, a few months later, they were mad at me again. And I said, well, what's the problem? Oh, well, you're voicing support for President Trump. And I said, well, of course I am. Don't you know the battle that we're in? We, 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 can't, we can't have a Democrat president right now going to ruin the country. We can't, can't happen. More babies are going to be killed. The whole country is going to be destroyed. And that's what we're seeing happening before our very eyes. Absolutely. Yep. And if we're too cowardly to say that, you know, we're, it's, we're, we're, we're in the wrong profession. Uh, I mean, we're ordained to do what exactly? So, so it's like, okay, so now they were angry at me because I was still voicing support for these, you know, it's like, what are we supposed to do? Vote for the Democrats? What are we supposed to do? Not vote at all? Or are we supposed to vote for the pro-life candidates? Now, they know the answer to that. And so we're playing this big game. We all know the answer to the question, but nobody's allowed to say it. I can't, I, 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 I can't have anything to do with that. I, I'm, 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 and, I, and I think I speak for a lot of Catholics. Say we're we're done with this kind of playing of games. Yeah. Well, and I, I I would I would jump in at this point too, Father, and simply say that you know for me as a layperson, you know, and Father knows me real well. Father Hom and I we go way back and we we talk a lot at length. I mean, I've been in this ministry work for thirty three years. I've been traveling and speaking. I've met hundreds of good priests all across the country. I've, I've you know working at EWTN off and on for years. I cannot tell you how discouraged this kind of stuff makes me. And to the point where I said, I mean, I'm never leaving the faith. There's no question about it. There's nowhere else to go. Where else are we going to go? Right, right, right. In 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 uh, in John six, but but it doesn't mean that by human nature, and a lot of Catholics out there are feeling this way. We're ticked off. We're upset. We're fed up. We're confused. And when when the when the Vatican does something on this level in this way yeah. to someone who I mean, look, you you're one of the nicest personalities on the planet. When it comes to dealing with this kind of work, I know because I've heard you deal with everything with a smile. You have that in you and not flattery. It's just, it's observation over the years. This is something that I know I speak for thousands and thousands of Catholics out there. This really is, as Father Harlan mentioned, a gut punch. And we're, we're spinning around going, what in the world? They're treating yeah. you not like a brother priest, but like an enemy. That's how I saw this. 
like just to just to drop this bomb on you like this when as you just explained sure this goes back historically to this 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 but they've tried this and this and this the vatican defended you here protected you here you've had support from i, I know mother angelica supported you you had had that mother Teresa. mother Teresa, yeah oh yeah you've had massive support everywhere who the people who know you inside and out when it comes to this whole thing now obviously we all know that we create enemies in one way shape or form when we're evangelizing the truth that's just kind of the way it goes but this is the kind of so-called friendly fire, if we want to call it that, that is really, really hitting a lot of people hard with the area of just hope in and trust in our uh, the hierarchy of our church. It's yet another example of that. And that's an area I'm very concerned about because a lot of people are already fed up with the way the church shut down uh, the area of even giving last rites to people who were dying during the whole medical Oh, we're on YouTube. We got to be careful, Father, so we don't get kicked off again. So I got to be careful with my words, right? Unbelievable where we are that I even have to say that. We just got off a three-month suspension, our second suspension of the year. So we're trying to hang in there a little bit longer if we can, Father. But I got to tell you that we're already feeling beat up and pummeled to such a degree. And then this happens to someone like you on this topic of all mm -hmm. topics. This should be as clear as a heart attack. That yeah. we're dealing with the destruction, the genocide, the, the Holocaust of these children, Father. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, let me give a um, encouragement uh, because that's where we're at emotionally and, and ecclesiastically. So people are asking, okay, so how do we move forward? What do we what do we do from here? Um, and it's not hard, really. What we have to do is simply this: we unite with each other and do the work that we know we need to do. Nice. The work we're doing, Pro-Life Arena, this is not about me, it's about us. It's about a movement here. If the church for some reason uh, is doing this to me, they're not doing it to me because of Frank Pavone, they're doing it because of the whole movement, Right. trying to, for whatever motive, intimidate others, other priests, laity, Oh, we can't be too outspoken about abortion because well, look what happened to Father Frank. Sorry, but the message is actually the opposite. Yep. This is exactly the direction we have to go. We have to be more vocal, more brave, more consistent, put this on a higher priority. Because if this is where they're attacking, then this is where we must advance. We don't save babies' lives because somebody dressed like me tells us to. That's not why we save the life of a baby. We save the life of a baby because a baby's life deserves to be saved. It, abortion is wrong, not because someone dressed like me said it is, but because it, of what it is. It's the killing of a, of a human being. So we unite with each other and we do the work that needs to be done, whether it's in the arena of pro-life or whether it's in the arena of simply proclaiming Jesus Christ as the only Lord and Savior. If some church leader says, somehow that Jesus is not the only Lord and Savior, that's that's his problem, not ours. We, we know what the gospel is. We're going to proclaim the name of Jesus as the only Lord and Savior. We gather together with each other, and we carry on the work that needs to be done. Sometimes it's not we who have to catch up with the church, the leadership. It's the church leadership that has to catch up with us. Mm -hmm. um, and none of us in doing that is rebellious, arrogant, or departing from the church. It's precisely expressing union with the church. Union with, and here's the phrase I always encourage people to remember, what the church has always taught. Six little words that can help us when we hear someone in the clergy, a priest, a bishop, even the pope, 
saying things that sound somewhat confusing. I think, what was that that he said? What did he mean? Why, why did he say that? Listen, I don't know. And I don't care that I don't know. Because I know that what I do know is what the church has always taught. Nice. I know what the church has always taught. And that's no secret. Well, then what do I have to worry about? I'm, as long as I'm pro, what I have to be concerned about is that I'm proclaiming that. Another way I explain this is we know we have division. We have division in the church and we have division in the nation. We don't have to be concerned about the fact that there's division. That shouldn't bother us. What we need to be concerned about is that we're on the right side of that division. Mm. What we have to focus on. Nice. Nice. You know, Father, I just, I'm stumped and I, I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense, at least from a biblical perspective, a moral perspective, uh, why some are getting a pass and, and others are being punished yep. during, this during this time. You know, uh, can I read something I wrote? Uh, this, this happened after Father Altman uh, was canceled, but... Uh, I just said I'm a logical person for argument's sake. What if Hitler and the Nazi party was put to a vote? The platform of the Nazi party was that they planned to kill 6 million Jews. Most of them burned alive. And the opposing party was against this. Could a Catholic vote for the Nazi party? Even if the Nazi party held other platform issues that were attractive. Could one say the incineration of 6 million Jews is not the only issue? I, oh, when I hear that, abortion is not the only issue. Uh, it's not the only issue. Of course not. It would be a horror even to conceive of such a thing. Fast forward to our times. Under our watch, 1.7 billion babies worldwide have been torn apart limb from limb since 1973. Under our watch. Hmm. We don't even need to talk about the same party advocating for such things as grown men being free to walk into a little girl's bathroom or eight-year-old boys choosing to be girls and are sent to surgeons. No, 1.7 billion babies murdered. The worst genocide in the history of civilization is plenty egregious enough. And so, but we're political. We're political, uh, apparently. If we advocate for first... Uh, being in favor of people who are going to overturn Roe v. Wade by putting in Supreme Court justices that will get us to that point, okay? We're political. If, 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 we, if we advocate for a power that's going to come against another power that is incinerating 6 million Jews or is in favor of 65 million in our, our country, babies being aborted, I feel like what's going on here, Father, is that is that deep down, these people who are troubled by people like you who speak up don't get that that precious preborn baby has the exact same value of of a twenty eight year old Jew. Right. They don't get yeah. that, and so yeah. it's just another political issue, or right. it's not. You shouldn't just you know, harp on that one issue. Now we've, you know, they changed, uh, uh, they redefined marriage for the first time in history. And, and here, I'll, I'll just end it with this. We're the spiritual leaders, lead, 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 okay? <laughs> uh, the reason why a lot of our faithful are fine with abortion, are fine with grown men sharing a bathroom with a little girl, and I could go on and on, 
is because the spiritual leaders aren't saying anything. So whether they say it consciously or not, they're saying, well, if they're okay with it, then I guess I can be okay with it. Right. And so this accusation of being yeah. political, it, when, when we're living through a time right now that one could easily say is a hundred times worse than Sodom and Gomorrah right now. You know, the, there are two of our brother priests that have been raised to the honors of the altars in the church that give, that shed light on exactly what you're saying. One is Maximilian Kolbe, St. Maximilian. Right. The other one is blessed. He's the patron of the Grace Force, by the way. Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> right. And, uh, and a word about him, as no, no doubt the two of you know. I mean, he's not, and I'll mention the second priest in a moment, but the, the, the reason he's so, the thing people know about him is how he traded his life, right, for the life of one of those prisoners in the death camp. Okay. Yeah. Courageous act of love, iconic act of love, obviously. But what a lot of people don't connect is the bigger story behind it. That courageous act of respect for human life, for the life of a father, the life of a husband, was his final slap in the face to the Nazi regime of godless disregard for human life. Yep, yep. The last slap. Yep. He'd been slapping them all along. Yep. By broadcasting, publishing, preaching. He was taking a stand against a political party, not for political motives, but for godly motives of standing up for the for the for the for the the value of human life and the free and the freedom of the church. Now, another priest that did that, and, and that's why he ended up in the death camp, right? I mean, the Nazis were not happy with this priest speaking against the political party. Blessed Clemens von Galen was a cardinal. And right at the same time as Maximilian Kolbe, for the same reason, he was preaching against the Nazi party. And he gave some powerful sermons against them, and they were infuri infuri infuriated with him. And here he is, raised to the honors of blessed, whereas in the context, as you just described, that we're in today, he'd probably be penalized. You know, why are you being so political? Right. Well, we raised him to the honors of the altar. And when he was beatified, the cardinal who gave the sermon there in Rome said, we are facing similar circumstances in our day with regard to the threats against human life. So why are we not to all be like Maximilian and, and Clemens von Galen in speaking out against the political powers? Again, it's not out of political motives, uh, because if tomorrow the two major parties in the United States swapped their positions on abortion, wouldn't our message be exactly the same? Of course. It I would. know. I know. Right. Because the platform yeah. we're standing on is not the Democrat platform. It's not the Republican platform. Right. Platform of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right, right. It's a horror. We have to do everything, everything we yeah. can. And if that means, Father Frank, you get behind a power that can overturn Roe v. Wade, by the way, on my birthday. June oh, wonderful. Yeah. What a birthday gift. <laughs> have we Doug, I never that said, in past podcast, yeah. Father? I don't know yeah, if we've yeah. that yet. I have to work it into every podcast now, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, but uh, to advocate for that, no, 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 no. Priests can't do that. No, wait a minute. We're spiritual lead, lead, lead leaders. Okay. Right. We, we lead, we lead by yeah. example. You know, we advocate for, for powers that can take down this tyranny, the worst tyranny. I, 
I can't even imagine. It's just, it's so bad right now. And, and of course, we suffered through the last three years of, yeah. of them trying to just diminish our spirit and, and make us just comply with anything they might say. But anyways, but, uh, but I, 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 love, I love your advocacy yeah. for powers that have a, have a legitimate possibility of overturning these evil powers. Mm -hmm. I love it. Yes. Right, right. You know, there, there, there's a couple key things I, that when I look at this, just kind of still processing this, Father, since this all unfolded in the last, what, 48 hours or so. Um, I, two key things. The audience, I'm always thinking what the audience might be thinking or, or wondering. Number one, okay, what's your standing now? Can you celebrate mass? Can you hear confessions? You know, what, what's that? So if we can get to that too, for people to know, you're kind of in limbo here or, or, or what, where we are with that. What you know, people are going to be talking about and haven't talked about what happened to Father Frank, what happened now to his, his priesthood, and, and now what about priests for life and, and all of that. But then the other side or the other piece of this, I guess, that I'm, that I'm seeing is exactly what you're addressing here. And I think that's a very, very profound statement to make, that if the parties were to switch their belief entirely tomorrow on life, our message stays the same. So right. this is about Father Frank, yes, because you are the latest casualty, so to speak, in this, in this struggle, this battle in, within the church now. But, uh, and there's, there's more to this I, I'd love to dig into, you know, if we can about, you know, do you think some of this has to do, you know, similar to other priests who have been, who have been canceled because they spoke out specifically? Is there more political power behind this and more political influence behind some of the church leaders? And maybe this is, this is beyond what we want to address or, or what you would even want to know or comment on. But this just doesn't sound like a handful of priests or bishops or the Pope who's just irritated and agitated. It sounds like there's a bigger picture at play here. What you're doing, the work you're doing is making good movements, gaining good ground, affecting people on many levels. There's more diabolical action going on behind some of this. So there's a whole piece there. But again, I'm, I'm getting off on a, on a little bit of a tirade here. But one, Father Frank's situation, where are you? with a priest as a priest now what does this mean can you yeah. not appeal are you are you out uh, there's always appeal there's always appeal okay. you know in the message they they keep saying oh there's no possibility of appeal yeah they're talking in a very narrow canonical sense we all know that the pope is the highest authority in the church so if the pope makes a decision you can't go over the pope's head to any human being uh, uh, in the church um but that doesn't mean that it can change i intend to appeal directly personally to Pope Francis. I think I mentioned before, I've had, I've had meetings with him. He, he knows me. He knows my work. He supported our work. I'm going to go directly to him and, uh, and, and ask him to reverse this, this, uh, this. Now I know he is hearing, I know for a fact that he is hearing from some of his close advisors that a better solution to this problem would be to let, just let me go under a favorable bishop. And, um, uh, uh, because the animosity between me and my and my current bishop has led to a lot of these problems. Um, we'll see if he's open to that solution. But the point is, no, I intend to directly personally appeal to him because, look, I have a vocation to be a priest and I have a vocation to be a pro-life leader. I'm not walking away from either one of those things. So as it stands right now, can you publicly celebrate mass? People are going to wonder this. Well, well, when they tell me, I'll I'll let you know because again, they okay. have 
have been no communication. I, okay. I, I don't know. But I know this, that if the Pope closes a door in my face, I'm going to stay, be standing right there on the other side of the door until it opens again. Yeah. When this Pope opens it. Or, hey, folks, there's going to be a next one. Right. And when there's a next one, he's going to hear about this. And right. looking at that door. I'm not, I'm not going off into some other church, you know, uh, uh, be a clergyman in some other denomination. That's not happening. Um, and so that's number one. My, my vocation is to be a priest, and I have no intention of walking away from that. Now, secondly, the work that I do, Priest for Life, is just fine. Uh, I'm not the only priest of Priest for Life. Uh, this is a movement. This is a movement among the clergy. It's a reform movement, which is why it gets so much opposition. Um, but it's a reform movement leading in the right direction and getting a lot of support. So what we are, are, are and my board, my staff, my pastoral team, a thousand percent behind me. They have absolutely no, they are not being wavering or being shaken by this, or there's no disunity or dissension at all. So that's a blessing. And um, uh, the uh, other fact about this is that the work we do is mostly work that does not require priestly activity. What I mean is, when we encourage other priests to preach the, the, the pro-life message, it's not me going into their church doing it for them. It's them doing it. Mm -hmm. But we're providing them the talking points. We've got the resources, how to do it. We've got the experience. And our whole team assists them in doing that, including the other priests who are, are on board with us. And, and then the healing work, the healing ministry uh, uh, of, of Rachel's Vineyard and, and all the, the, the work we do and, and, the, and the political education too. Why do we vote for pro-life candidates? Uh, most of our team are lay people. And we're teaching and we're we're doing seminars and we're mobilizing people online. Um, and all that's going to continue full force. We have absolutely no intention of slowing down, turning around or anything like that. And my confidence also comes from the fact that the people who support our, our ministry, they're not supporting our ministry because the bishop is telling them. I think we said this before. They're doing it because they, they see us doing work that they wish was happening in their diocese, but very often it isn't. So the support is going to continue because the work is 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 worthy work. Right. So mm -hmm. Father, if they want if people want to help uh financially support, and first yes. of all, I want to qualify that because um I heard on an earlier interview that you told us how much you make in a year. Could you can you repeat that? Thank, well, thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> I, some of my detractors try to say, yeah, uh, right. Frank has a great yeah, yeah. style. Yeah. Okay. So I my challenge to them is let's compare our salaries. All yeah, right. 14, not 40, 14,000 four, <laughs> a year. Did, did you hear that, Doug? Yeah, I did. He yeah, makes 14 grand a year. Yeah. <laughs> now, Father, that's just in the last. Um, uh, less than what is it now? I think about eight years. I've been before that. I didn't make anything. Yeah. I volunteer. I was the volunteer full-time director of Priests for Life up wow. until about I think it was about about 2015 or so. So, um, so you've been living on macaroni and cheese for all those years. So. A macaroni and cheese. Yeah, you, know, yeah. you, know, you know the way. And probably some people say, "Well, how is that even possible?" Well, it's very easy. I am on the road. And for all yep. those I was on the road and continue to be like 80% of the time. Right. 
happening? Well, pro-life groups are flying me out to St. Louis, to, to Phoenix, to Los Angeles, to right. Alaska, to preach the pro-life message. Right. They're bringing me out there. They're taking care of me while I'm there. And then they're sending me back home. So it's like, you know, it's a missionary lifestyle. And, sure. um, you know, anybody who wants to, um, you know, like I say, I'm an open book. You know, another thing that I do, and I think it's, 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 um, I think this is important uh, for, for someone in my position, you know, and you get so much complaints and controversy and whatnot. I do a daily diary online. Uh, now, sometimes it's a, it's a video. It's at priestforlife.org slash daily diary, daily dash diary. And, and I, I tell people everything I did on each day from the moment I wake up till the moment I go to bed. Literally, nice. hour open book. hour. I am an open book yep. as can be. I hide nothing. Yep. Um, if I take a trip to the, uh, you know, if I have to have my chiropractor appointment or uh, my whatever it might be, I'm telling people what I did each day and saying, well, why are you doing that? Well, it's accountability. It's yep. transparency. It's, it's proactively countering, you know, the narrative that your enemies might want to make or questions they exactly. might. Exactly. And I know it? that's not the big reason, but you got a big target on your back because yeah. Satan hates you. Yeah. So you so you don't want to give anything. Sometimes you know I I I got one on my back, and so I I, I jokingly say if I sneeze to the right, I should have sneezed to the left. You know they, they find something <laughs> that's in sacred scripture. They were looking for something to accuse them of. You know. Yeah. And uh, and and that's when you're when you're tiptoeing in Satan's territory, he gets mad and and he incites the weak uh, to yeah. come after. Yeah. That's right. Uh, yeah. So, so Father, real quick then, um, so your priesthood, priest for life, everything is rolling there. You're moving forward. You're going to appeal. You're going to knock on doors. I love it. Um, do you think, and I'm the, 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 you know, the, the talk is already out there. Is there any, do you know of any political influence to church leaders that has caused this or infected? Political, political influence. Yeah. Well, I know that over, I mean, over the years, one of the, one of the uh, points of contention uh, has been my support of President Trump. Um, and in fact, one, one time when I, we, when, you know, we create these voter guides at election time and, and we make um, nonpartisan voter guides. We have the top attorneys in the country uh, review them and uh, say, yes, these can be used by churches and whatnot. And, you know, I've sent them to bishops, inviting them to use them. One bishop writes back to me one time after he, I, and I'm grateful that he took the time to even review the voter guide. And you know what he said to me? He said, this voter guide is not sufficiently critical of the Republicans. <laughs> so, so, like, hold on one second. I thought this was supposed to be a nonpartisan voter guide. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this isn't a critical enough of Republicans. Well, Bishop, there's a reason for that. It's not meant to be. Hmm. It's meant to lay out objectively the positions that these parties take on these issues. It, right. We we do a voter guide. It compares the parties okay, and the from their platform. <clears throat> Why do you want me to be more critical of the Republicans? I'm just gonna lay out the positions. If they're positions that favor, you know, uh, what the word God says, then, well, then the people could be the judge of that. Well, what do you mean? It's, it's not up to me to be critical of one or the other. It's up to us to lay out the, the, the facts. Now, um, so, yeah, there's, what I'm saying is political motives, there are definitely political motives at work here. Uh, how much uh, of a direct connection of influencing these bishops? Um, 
I have no doubt that, that many of them are in deep, deep league with the Democrat Party. This is why they're so silent on these issues. They don't want to offend, offend their Democrat friends. Uh, but once again, that, that's their problem. They shouldn't make it our problem. Uh, uh, and, and beyond that, I know that, um, I think we mentioned it earlier, uh, this discrepancy between the way Biden and Pelosi are treated and the way people like me are treated. Right. You know, I mean, who gets punished first? Right. The, 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 the president and the speaker of the House who push for more killing of babies? Who are the most powerful in the world and have the, have the most influence over whether babies are killed or not. That's right. right. The most, no doubt. Right. So who gets punished by the church? The ones who are killing these babies or the priests who are defending them? Right. Um, I think somebody's got some explaining to do. Hey, Father, um, it made me think of this. When you were talking about how, um, well, it gets back to what I talked about. Uh, we moved from fatherly to tyranny. And um, I, I, I keep thinking to myself, I'm, I'm looking around and I'm seeing a lot of the prelates, not all of them. I, uh, Doug's heard me say my, uh, my quotient. It uh, has to do with the first apostles. I think there's uh, one twelfth who are outright betraying the God and the church. And then there's 10 twelfths that are hiding away in silent self-protection, protecting their own behind. And then there's one twelfth that is, you know, the Stricklands of the world, right? who are standing with the Lord in, in, on, uh, at his cross. Um, but look what happened. They were, they were cowered away behind that door in that upper room until Jesus came in, and even though the door was locked, and he breathed on them, and they received the Holy Spirit, and they received heroic courage. Okay? Yes. I think, Father Frank, I would love to see a movement go, go on that we all pray through our, our our blessed mother that our bishops receive a fresh and new outpouring of the holy spirit like they like the first 12 bishops did right. uh, because uh, i feel like the problem right now is that they like you got talked to about before i'll just frame it this way they're business managers and and i they're protecting the purse and yeah. they don't want to offend people who are betraying God, okay? Yeah. Uh, and, and so we can't talk about abortion because some of our parishioners might be in favor of abortion, and that's offensive to them. Uh, and, and that's a business decision. That's not somebody who truly cares about the salvation of souls. Those people who are advocating for abortion, according to the catechism of the Catholic Church, are destined for mm -hmm. eternal damnation. And and I, I feel like the, the business managers, right? And now what popped in my head is, who wouldn't leave the 99 to go after the one? Well, if mm -hmm. your family, that child is precious to you, and of course you'd go and save that child. If your family, if you're a business manager, that one is a write-off, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And I just feel like, We've, we, I call it tyranny, but I, it, we've moved, and Father Bill Peckman talk, is talking about this a lot lately, but we've moved from family to business. And, and it, to me, it's a sign they've lost their supernatural faith, yeah. you know, and, and it, they need to get it back. It, 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 the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm. And then those, those apostles went out and they didn't care if they died 
they were going to be clear in helping people to be break free from the slavery of the world and get in good graces in the will of God. Uh, I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> go ahead, Father. Uh, yeah, a word about about courage. Um, what is 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 going on with me is going on in every profession. Nurses and doctors mm. being fired because they don't want to participate in an abortion. Teachers being fired because they mentioned abortion in the classroom. They were told they weren't supposed to. Um, people in all different professions facing professional penalties because they took a stand for the unborn. We, it's, it's this, one of the sad things about what is being done to me is that it'll have a chilling effect on a lot of these other people right. within the church, within the clergy. Oh, don't be too outspoken about abortion. Don't be too outspoken about pro-life voting. Look right. what Father Frank. Well, what happened to Father Frank is that he got louder. I, I said, you know, this is an ecclesiastical abortion. But the only difference when we are aborted is that after it happens, we get, we speak louder and even more uh, and even more boldly. And that's what's going to happen. And that's what some people in the church are going to be very uh, even more upset about. I wouldn't be surprised if they excommunicate me altogether. Um, and uh, then we'll have another conversation. Wow. The matter is, I'm not going to I'm not going to stop talking about this stuff. Wow. But it's about courage is we all have to answer to God for the amount of courage he gives us, not for the amount of courage he doesn't give someone else. And, and, and this is, Father, I think what's happening that you'd agree that it's a it's a peer pressure thing. And, you know, we're yep. looking at each other. We, we, we've got to look at the, what's happening and respond to it adequately with based on the insight in our minds and the courage in our hearts. When we stand before the judgment seat, it's not going to be, you know, referenced to anybody else. Nobody else is going to be involved. God is going to say, I gave you an understanding of what was happening. I gave you courage. Did you act on it? Right. It reminds me of the um, um, Genovese syndrome. Remember Kitty Genovese back in the uh, uh, New York City some decades ago? She comes home in the middle of the night. She gets murdered. It was a 45 minutes of this Guy came back three times attacking her. She was screaming. 38 witnesses, you know, heard it and saw it. And nobody did anything. Nobody intervened. And, and it led people to, led psychologists to, to, to investigate this so-called Genovese syndrome. Why do people sit back and let violence happen? Well, they did the experiment and they did one of these experiments. You know, if you take part will, willingly in a psychological experiment, sometimes the experiment begins before you realize that it started. So they invited these people into one of the universities in New York. Oh, yes, I'll take care. I take part in the experiment. So this guy arrives and they say, sir, thank you so much for signing up for this. We're going to have you wait in this room and we'll get started in a few minutes. Well, meanwhile, it had already started. He's sitting in the room alone. And from the under the door of the adjoining room, smoke starts coming out from the bottom of the door. And he looks at it. He gets up. He goes out into the lobby and he, he starts Telling people, hey, we got a problem. There's a fire here. Okay. Then three people, three more people show up. Oh, thank you for taking part in the experiment today. We'll get started in a few minutes. Please wait together in this room. So the three of them are sitting in the room. And guess what happens? Smoke starts pouring in from out under the door of the room next door. And what happens? They're sitting there. Hmm. They blow the smoke away from their eyes, wipe their eyes, cough a little bit. 
look at the person next to them, and they just all, all three of them just sit there. What's the difference between those two scenarios? The first guy saw the evidence of a problem, and he got up and he did something about it, and he spoke. Right. The other three, they saw the same evidence, and they probably had the same concern on the inside, but then they were also looking. Each of them was looking at the non-response of the other two. Mm. And so they lowered their own response because they said, I don't want to stick out like a sore thumb. Mm. I don't want to be, uh, you know, told that, oh, it's none of your business. Oh, you shouldn't be speaking up about this. And so all three of them sit there mm. rubbing their eyes, the rubbing the smoke out of their eyes. I think that's what's going on today with abortion. Yep. We see, we all see the same evidence. Yep. It's a baby being killed. There's no doubt about it. The abortionists themselves even admit it. A baby is being killed. So are we going to stand up and, 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 and say something and act according to the reality of the emergency? Or are we going to look at everyone else's non-response and say, gee, maybe I'm overdoing it. I'm sticking out like a sore thumb. Well, listen, tonight I am proud to stick out like a sore thumb, even if it means you know, some kind of punishment has been leveled against me. I don't care. You know, we speak so easily about, oh, yeah, we lay down our lives. You know, and scripture says we have to lay down our lives for one another. So that includes the unborn. We say it so easily in the church. I'm going to lay down our lives. We celebrate the martyrs. Oh, isn't this great? Lay down our lives? And we can't even endure a, a complaint from somebody? And in, in my case, some ecclesiastical punishment, okay, I know I didn't do anything wrong, but 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 we're going to lay down our lives? And it's like Jesus saying to Peter, lay down your life, will you? You will deny me three times uh, before the cock crows. So it's like we so, it's so easy to, to think and speak in grandiose terms. We have got to take the courage to really start making the sacrifices uh, to speak up the way we need to speak up about the evils in the world today. And finally, you were mentioning, Father, about the, you know, the, this transgender. Uh, oh, I, I can't say a man is a man. I can't say a woman is a woman. Maybe we've come to the point where we can't say a man is a man or a woman is a woman because for 50 years we've said a baby's not a baby. Mm, yep. That's where the break with reality yep. started. Biological reality, biological truth that this is a baby. Yep. If you can deny that, you can deny yeah. that in our woman. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I got two last things I just I want to bring up before we wrap up here, and we're getting close to the end. One, where do you think this goes with regards now to you being hit so hard, this gut punch from the Vatican? Where do you think this goes if it doesn't, if the trajectory does not change because of prayer, because of people? maybe be more vocal, more vocal speaking out. Where do you think this goes? Do more priests get canceled? Do we, do we see, you know, more attacks here and there? Do you have any idea where it goes if the trajectory does not change? I spoke with a, a, a high-level Vatican official a few years ago, and he put it to me this way, and, and, and he said, and I'm not saying I think this way, but he said, it is no longer unreasonable to fear a schism is no longer unreasonable he wasn't saying it would it will happen but he was saying this reason to think it might it could 
I mean, there's people, we're not going to leave the church. We know the reality of, of the Eucharist. We know this is the church Christ established. Lord, to whom else shall we go? Right. But that doesn't mean we're going to tolerate this nonsense either. Right. And I think th I think people are at a boiling point. Yeah, a boiling. I agree. Yep. So how does that translate? I don't know, but I do know. Again, it's like we were saying before. Let's just stick together. Let's keep doing the work together, and uh, put the rest in the Lord's hands. We got to keep doing the work together. A uh, lot will change with the next pope. You know, there's going to be a next pope. And I think there's going to be, just like there's a pendulum swing in American politics, there'll be a pendulum swing in ecclesiastical politics as well. I love your hopefulness. See, yeah. Doug, no comets. Right. What? No comets? There'll be a pendulum swing, and there's not oh. going to be comets. You know, <laughs> you know Father Heilman, you know, what he's saying reminds me of what we had Dan on last week, Dan Schneider, former military, former cavalry scout in the Army back in the first Gulf War. And he used the term Charlie Mike, CM, Charlie Mike, continue the mission. You Charlie Mike, no matter how difficult it is. And that's what you described. No matter what it is, no matter what is thrown at us, we continue the mission. As you said, we, we, just, we, we just know what the church has always taught. And we just, we stick to that. We, we right. do that. The last question I would have just simply from my part is what final message do you have to the audience Okay, we know your situation now. You're, you're going to appeal. You're going to knock on doors, pound on doors, try to get some answer. You're kind of in this limbo state. They haven't really reached out to you. They haven't really made this clear. Okay, you're kind of in all that. Um, this is more about the movement than it is about Father Frank. But Father Frank is is like this sacrificial, you know, lamb right now at this point. I mean, you're the next one that's being, you know, knocked around here. But what message do you have? A final message other than Charlie Mike continue the mission, but what final message to the audience? Because there's so many people that are so affected and impacted by your years of work and what Priest yes. Life does as a whole. What yes. do you say to the troops out there? Could we all send a message together out of deep respect? I have deep respect for the, the hierarchy of the church. Let's all send a message. Not by criticizing them or rebelling, support what we're doing i ask humbly but let's show those that are trying to cancel me and my ministry that what we already know that we've got a lot of support that this movement is 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 moving forward and to support us at this point with vo your voices go to that website i mentioned before uh, fatherfrankpavone.com frfrankpavone uh, read the whole story spread it to others, help others understand what has happened, yeah. then the more you can express your support for our ministry, that will send a clear message as I make my appeal to the, to the, to the Pope, um, that'll send a clear message that, look, it's not me about me. It's a movement. And, and we've got the support of the people of God. And this is for the good of the entire people of God, born and unborn. So, Appreciate endabortion.us is our main website of our ministry. Get involved, get the emails, participate in the prayer campaigns, spread the messaging, bring the material to your clergy, uh, get involved in the voter training seminars that we have, and on and on it goes. There's so much activity. The healing ministries, uh, Rachel's Vineyard, silent no more, share the testimony. Be active with us. That's the best way to defend us. Be active and show the support. And the church, that, that they'll notice, that the leaders will notice that. I, I pray, you know, I think you might be right about a schism. 
uh, let's hope it's it's a it's a it's a uniting during this time. Right, We're doing exactly what you prescribed for us. Um, and please know, Father, that anything that I can do, I'm at your disposal. Again, thank, thank you. you, thank you for your your dedicated work to this over all these years, and uh, and and really, I, I'm looking at you right now too, since this happened to you, and I'm seeing a man of real faith because everybody watching is they're seeing your joy you know you're not you're not in the fetal position you right. remain joyful and hopeful because of your confidence in god almighty the blessed mother and um and so i hope everybody's inspired by that i know i am too heavenly father we ask you to pour out your richest blessing upon father frank pavone uh we ask that for your healing touch uh we ask that this decision be reversed. Uh, but we ask most importantly that he remains um, the, the fire of faith that he has been for all these years. Uh, we ask for your protection. Uh, Jesus, uh, keep him as the apple of your eye. Hide him in the shadow of your wing. Mary, cover him with your mantle. And we also pray for our bishops. Uh, we're talking about a Eucharistic revival. Let's talk about uh, the revival of our apostles, our current day apostles, breathe on them as you did it in that upper room and let them receive a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and enkindle in them the fire of your love. May Almighty God bless all of you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Father, thank you so much. I'm going to be hopeful now i it was a gut punch but i'm going to be hopeful because look at the smile on your face <laughs> that's that's miraculous I, I i love you and i know everybody that's watching does too i appreciate that that's where All the right. smile comes from <laughs> <laughs> thanks nice. for being with us father thanks, you're father. welcome my pleasure <laughs>